Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? And today we are back with our season in review player profiles. We continue today after doing Jaden Hardy with McKinley Wright IV and A.J. Lawson. Just going to be looking at their strengths and weaknesses. Going to be looking at what we thought they improved upon from last year to this year, whether that meant that they were in the NBA last year um or they were not or they were playing college or somewhere else uh is not conducive to any of this uh we're just looking at their improvement as a player um regardless of if they were in the nba before this or not uh then we're going to look at like what we think they can improve upon next year uh we're going to come away with uh one interesting stat for each player me and jaron uh since it was two players on this one we both uh found a dig on each of these guys and we're also going to be grading these guys' sustainability in terms of their future in the Mavericks. You know, these are both two-way guys. Uh, so you kind of look at that how you want from an aspect of, you know, just their sustainability in terms of being in the NBA. Uh, but we'll be, you know, grading in upon the Mavericks. These are both two guys that we thought impressed uh, despite the end-of-season slope, um, even amidst, you know, a lot of garbage time and some sort of minutes that can kind of be cast off as an albatross. Uh, when they when their name was called upon uh, to play actual roles in games, uh, more often than not, uh, they were serviceable. So we'll be getting into them. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. All right, Jaron. So getting back into it, let's just go ahead and start right off the bat uh, with McKinley Wright, the fourth here. What do you think were some of his biggest strengths that he showcased on the Mavericks this year? Um if, and if you don't mind just like reading off some of his counting stats, I don't, I don't have them pulled up at the moment, but I think you might. Uh, and just kind of talking about, you know, how he kind of stepped up into a role uh, that maybe wasn't even necessarily there at the beginning of the season. He almost kind of forged for himself amidst uh, some certain injuries that Mavericks were dealing with and just some, uh, you know, sort of chaos at the guard spot um, with the whole third ball handover situation that the, team did not foresee happening and of course the Kyrie trade and everything how is he able to uh kind of fill in and provide a sort of stopgap measure uh when the going got really rough and the Mavericks had no sort of tertiary creation yeah so I mean McKinley Wright coming into the season you know we kind of expected him to be a typical two-way guy you know not seeing the floor much not really having a role and he did the exact opposite I think that there was moments in this season where McKinley Wright not only had a role but he had a pretty important role um, I know that that's to the flaws of the Mavericks, but uh, even still for a player to have that kind of role when, you know, going into the season, we didn't expect to see him more than probably 10 games. Uh, it, it's, I mean, pretty important for his sort of game. Um, I guess, you know, I'll name off some counting stats, just some, you know, baseline level stats. He averaged 4.2 points, um, you know, not, not even a steal or a block for a, more of a defensive minded guy. Uh, he did have two assists. Um, he shot. From the three-point line, he shot 32, 32% from the three-point line. I feel like that number was probably increased over the last, you know, handful of weeks in the season because uh, I, I don't know about you, Will, but I felt like he started making a little bit more of his three-point attempts. 
um, as the season kind of progressed and as he found his shot a little bit more. But from the field, he shot 47%, and he only played, or not only, but he played 27 games this season. So a pretty good uh, serving size in terms of, you know, what we expected to see. So I, I guess, you know, one thing that this player did, or I guess one thing that McKinley Wright did really good uh, was fill into a role that, you know, I think even himself probably didn't expect to have. Uh, being that third ball handler, being honestly one of the main defenders off the bench at some points in the season, uh, whenever, you know, guys like Dorian and Maxi were out, uh, he had to, you know, fill in some big shoes and that's exactly what he did. You know, he's a, a smaller kind of guy, so there's really not much you can expect. And that's why on the stat book, I don't think his defensive stats are, you know, eye popping by any means, or at least, you know, the, the steal and block numbers aren't eye popping. Um, but he went in there, uh, he, he provided as best as he could. You know, I think one-on-one defensively uh, was a, a little skeptical at times, you know, even though he is more of a defensive kind of guy, uh, he, he is smaller in the sense. So he was kind of lost, whether it was with the bigger guards uh, or if he got switched onto somebody, they were able to take advantage of that, of the uh, height disadvantage. So I think from that perspective, it doesn't really do, do him justice, but as a, on a team perspective, uh, defensively, I think that he did really, really well. Um, you know, I think, I, I, you know, of course, don't really I didn't really watch any. I think he only played one game in Minnesota uh, the year prior, which I guess would have been his rookie year. Um, so I don't really know what all we're working off of or what all he improved upon. But I can tell you that, you know, at the NBA level, he has made some big leaps. Now, you know, is this going to warrant him a role going down the line? I know we'll get into it a little bit later. Uh, you know, there's still some questions there to be answered. But, you know, even still and the role that we expected this guy to have. Uh, he definitely filled that in and much more um, and, you know, played 27 games on a two-way contract. So I, I think that this guy warrants, you know, a little bit of praise for the season. Uh, he definitely, I, I wouldn't say saved anything, uh, but he he played really well for what kind of role he was given. No, I would definitely uh, agree with you about all the talking points you talked about in terms of uh, some of the things he did well this season. And I would also want to highlight just, his dribble drive game, his floaters and his ability uh, to sort of just manipulate the defense um, in a half court setting. He, he honestly impressed me with some of that, uh, just his finishing ability and uh, his ability to push the pace and transition. Cause as you know, as a smaller guard that struggle shooting for, I mean, you basically have to be an elite finisher um, and just really good at, uh, you know, manipulating the inside game within, you know, 10 to 15 feet. And I thought he did a really good job of that. Um, he always kind of used actions at like the nail toes advantage. Um, he, he definitely had a lot and he has a lot in his toolbox as a smaller guard. And that's um, definitely very impressive um, given, you know, his stature in the NBA. Um, in terms of his weaknesses, what exactly prevented McKinley Wright from having an increased role in this Mavericks team? Because, you know, we did talk about how he played 27 games and um, at the beginning of the season, that would have honestly been a far fetch. Like he probably exceeded our expert expectations in that, in that regard, because of, you know, him being a two-way guy, smaller, all that sort of stuff. Um, but we saw, you know, the Mavericks sort of defer to him uh, when, you know, Luca was injured or there was just, you know, a sort of profound injury at that ball handler position. But as soon as, you know, he, he would sort of plant his foot in the rotation um, and like when an injury occurred or something like that, or he was just, you know, able to accrue uh, a few minutes off the bench, it seemed like soon thereafter he would be relegated to, 
uh, another two week long G league assignment, or he would be playing um, just predominantly garbage time minutes. Uh, what do you think uh, is the causation of just the inconsistency in regards to his minutes and him playing more, given that we did see some flashes that looked fairly promising both offensively and defensively? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I hate to bring this point up, but he is a smaller guy. He is a really small guard. Um, I, I believe he's 5'10 or 5'11, um, and he doesn't have intangibles. I think it's Ja'Cory McLaughlin on the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, they're similar in height, uh, but at least McLaughlin has a insanely, like probably like a 45-inch vert. I'm not quite sure, so don't quote me on that. But, um, you know, he doesn't have those sort of intangibles. He, he's very – I mean, I wouldn't – I think he's fairly – he's pretty athletic, but – No, he's – I'm not saying he's not yeah. athletic. I'm just saying he doesn't have those uber-athletic intangibles yeah. to make, you know – just an insane defensive presence like he's not that um you know his defense I think is derived more from effort uh he's a very hard-nosed kind of guy you know he's gonna stick his nose in places and you know try and try and pry the ball out or at least try and you know make it a little annoying on the offensive player and that's exactly what he did um you know being a smaller guy he can sort of fit into places and he can sort of like fill in gaps that other players can't uh, and that's why from a team difference, team defensive perspective, I think he did a really good job. Um, I, I think, you know, just as a whole, uh, some of his limitations were, you know, not to pry on the side or, or pry on his size or anything like that. But offensively, he, you know, his lack of shot making and we even, you know, pretty much told this at the beginning of the season, you know, his his shot making outside of, you know, really that floater and finishing point, uh, which you brought up, you know, it, there really is little to none, you know, shooting 32% on threes. And I, I think he only shot like a, a total of like 17 threes or 18 threes, somewhere around that range. Um, so a really small dosage of three point shots and only to, you know, knock down 30% of those. It, he's got to get that up. I think, especially towards the end of the season, I, I pointed this out earlier. Um, you know, he started to drain a little bit more. Uh, and I think that boosted his numbers up probably from like the 28 or 25 range. Uh, probably up to that 32 range. So I think that those numbers are a little deceiving. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued to look at his true shooting stats. I don't have those pulled up right now, but I would be, you know, I would be amazed if they're over, you know, 40, 50%. Because I, I really don't think he's that kind of guy. He's, he's His shot just limits him so much on the offensive side. Now on the flip side of things, you know, whenever you're looking at offense, there's his ability to drive and use that first step uh, he was able to, you know, not snake the pick and roll, but he was able to get in areas where, you know, other guys couldn't because he's small enough to do so. Uh, and his uh, finishing ability that, that was, you know, oh, otherworldly because he was able to do that. You know, as you pointed out earlier, you know, as a smaller guy, you have to have some some sort of offensive resemblance to even be in the league in the first place. And his is definitely, you know, going to the rim and finishing pretty much everything. So I think that that was definitely a plus on the offensive side of things. So. Uh, you know, his limitations definitely derive from size and lack of, you know, in my terms, lack of athletic or um, lack of athleticism, just like from a verticality standpoint. Uh, but, you know, even still, he picked up a, a really big role for what kind of role we thought he was given. And I, I know that we bring this up probably five times now, but still, uh, you know, for what he was or at least what we thought we was going to be. Uh, he definitely expelled, excelled those ex expectations. And definitely, I feel like it was like um, post Faku and then Kimba was dealing with like these, uh, the knee injuries. He definitely had a bigger role. And I think Luca went down with an injury at that point. 
Um, and I think it was in Golden State. He really picked it up. And he was one of the first guys off the bench in that game. And I, I know that we didn't win the game, but even still, uh, there was opportunities in that game that were honestly just all effort based uh, that he was a part of. So I, I think, you know, a really good player, uh, you know, does he have a role in this league? You know, there's you can argue that I'm not sure, but I, I think he's uh, from a natural perspective. He's a good basketball player. Uh, it, you know, it definitely surprised me, I would say. So I, I was intrigued with what I saw, but, you know, is it enough to bring him back? You know, I think we're going to answer that a little, a little later. So, yeah, no, I mean, especially just given the whole uh, sort of size limitation thing that you brought up, that also just limits his ability to get to the paint in the first place, because, you know, we did talk a lot about his sort of um, just sort of gaudy finishing for a guy his size and how he's able to, um, you know, get around the trees and things like that. But I mean, getting to the rim in those instances is half the battle and, you know, NBA defenders with their length and foot speed, um, you know, oftentimes can, you know, throw whatever, you know, offensive speed with the ball that he's uh, that he harnesses. They can kind of throw that by the wayside just um, because they can just beat him to the spot with length or they can sort of overcompensate even if they beat him off the dribble. So that's obviously, you know, part of his limitations in that regard and the shooting is definitely you know going to going to need to improve uh, especially as his career progresses I believe he's like 24 and um, you know that it especially with those smaller guards their their foot speed and speed with the ball will you know slowly wane once they get on the wrong side of uh, maybe like 28 29 and that that if he wants to stay in the NBA that's going to be paramount but just you know getting to be that you know seasoned of a player uh to that sort of status to actually be a veteran in this league and be a reliable um playmaker and shot creator and um point of attack defender in the nba um his pathway to that has definitely got to be by improving his shot and you know continually harnessing you know all of his defensive abilities as he's currently doing um into playing smart and savvy on that end um, and probably on offense, one maybe nitpick I could say about him, you know, he does like like we talked about, you know, do a really good job of manipulating the pick and roll and being able to, you know, find the nooks and crannies in the defense and, you know, get himself open for, you know, those push shots or those middle little mid-range floaters. But, you know, he, he's got to open up his bag a little bit more, just be a little bit more dynamic probably within the mid-range, um, be able to create for himself a little bit better. And honestly, probably create for others a little bit better. You know, he's good. Uh, I, th- I thought he was a pretty good ball handler and uh, playmaker in the pick and roll itself. Um, but, you know, there were there were some other, you know, actions that I thought the Mavericks ran um, where, you know, you could see maybe his size limit him sometimes in terms of his playmaking abilities, uh, just from his ability to, like, see the floor and uh, really read out the defense. So, you know, if he can just kind of take a step back and uh, survey things a little bit better. I think that that could, um, you know, definitely do justice for him and just be a little bit more, um, you know, anticipatory in terms of where the next pass is going to be. I, ju- I just think maybe improving his intangibles from a playmaking perspective is definitely going to help his case in terms of, you know, progressing his career going forward. But, you know, I think that kind of just wraps it up for strengths and weaknesses, at least. You know, I know we'll kind of just gloss over this because I know we said that, you know, we didn't really, 
watch him too much in his year with Minnesota right before this. Um, you know, we obviously know he was a Pac-12 um, defensive player of the year, I believe, at Colorado. Um, and, you know, he didn't play too much his rookie year in the NBA. But I know that he did improve his shooting marginally because I do recall us, you know, having watched a couple highlights and, you know, looking at some of his, um, you know, stat sheets and what have you from some of his games in Minnesota that he was shooting like in the high 20s or mid 20s. Now, granted, that was an extremely small sample size. But, you know, I think just I think he really just improved marginally as an NBA player um, offensively more so than anything uh, just around the edges, just touched up, refined his playmaking and shooting abilities. Um, but he's going to have to continue to do that because that is that is his gateway to staying in the league. You know, from a defensive perspective, obviously, you know, if, if he did, if he gets an unfavorable switch, um, then, you know, a lot of players are going to be able to take advantage of him because of his size. Um, but, you know, in tandem with that, he also is a really good, you know, point of attack defender, has a, you know, kind of underrated wingspan for a guy's size. I believe it's uh, kind of significantly taller than his actual height, uh, which is always uh, really good for a guy that's, you know, under six feet. And, you know, he can apply pressure. He's really fast um, on that end. And, he, you know, he, he'll, he'll stick with a guy, but, you know, his, his problems can definitely arise when guys can sort of just sort of lull their way into the, into the lane because they just are, you know, their footwork at their size just is able to kind of sort of transcend uh, whatever pressure he can apply because of uh, just how limited he is lengthwise. So, um, you know, if he can continue to do that, you know, just – I think in every sort of scheme, he's going to have to guard the opposing team's smallest player, regardless what kind of role that guy plays. Um, and, you know, if he can continue to do that successfully and, you know, there's not too much of a marginal height difference on the other team um, with whoever that guy is. And, and, you know, he has the ability to apply pressure on the perimeter and, uh, you know, sort of limit the abilities of another playmaker and then also be a serviceable, you know, offensive threat that's going to be you know the gateway to him being a capable player for the Mavericks off the bench or any other team in the NBA in my opinion yeah I mean quite literally everything you said I think is pretty much uh, like what's entailed uh, I think one thing that you know offensively he could improve upon is definitely his you know just shot making in total um, you know I, I believe 28 percent of the total shots he took were three point percent or were three point attempts uh, I think that number, especially for a smaller guy, I think if he wants to have more of a more of a serviceable role, uh, which is, you know, probably the height of his career, I, I think that he needs to improve that shot uh, attempts and shot making. Uh, you know, he only shot 32 percent from the three, of course, as I pointed out earlier. But, you know, that that number needs to go up a little bit. Uh, you know, a smaller guard, eventually you're going to get figured out, you know, whether he does have a role on a team someday uh, and he is in a playoff series or whatever it is, you know he's going to get figured out pretty easily with his, you know, just how not one dimensional he is. Uh, but in his offensive game is only, you know, he has a good floater game and he has a good drive game. That's pretty much about it. And, you know, he's pretty good at facilitating, but just from a scoring perspective, those are it. So I think if uh, he wants to improve his versatility, you know, on that end, he definitely needs to improve his shot making outside shot making for sure. And I know he's a smaller guy, you know, he's going to have a bunch of taller defenders and bigger defenders on him. Uh, but even still, you know, we see a lot, a lot of these smaller guards, their only reliable source of offense is shooting, uh, or at least, you know, the driving kick game. But, uh, you know, I think that's something that needs to improve upon with his game. And I think it 
honestly probably needs to with very soon because he is a second year guy and he's 24 years old. So I, I think it's something over the offseason that he needs to address and everything that you said uh, he should address that pretty much ad nauseum. So I would tend to agree that uh, pretty much everything we said, I think probably covers him. So, yeah, no, I, I agree as well, but you know, just in terms of his, um shot making I do think one thing that's good about this at least is that he has figured out the hard part of the equation or at least maybe he's been blessed with you know just the uh, his speed with the ball and um his you know how fast he is um but you know typically we see the reverse in most of these instances um it's you know the smaller guy that has got as far as he could because he can shoot as good as he can um but you know he simply is just not athletic enough to be able to blow by guys and um, you know, finish whatsoever because, you know, his size limits him. You know, McKinley Wright is also definitely more of a built guy. He's he's not a skinny, frail uh, 5'11". Uh, he's very comparable to, you know, Jordan McLaughlin in that sense. Um, you know, just a guy that um, you can definitely tell hits the weight room for his size. You know, McKinley Wright does go in there and crash on the offensive glass sometimes. Uh, so from that perspective, um uh, I I do think that the athletic part of the equation is definitely the harder part when we're talking about guys of this stature. So if he can just open up his repertoire to being able to shoot, you know, that's, that's going to be inter integral to, you know, his role in the NBA going forward. And, you know, I, I think you kind of alluded to um, the one surprising stat there when you said um, just how little that, you know, of his attempts at his size um, are, three-point attempts, you know, 71%. Yeah. You definitely want to get that down. He's just got to become a better spot-up shooter in general too, you know, especially if he's going to play with Luke or Kyrie at all. Not all of his attempts are going to come off the dribble. So those are all things to take into account for sure. But before we move on to A.J. Lawson, we have to highlight the sustainability aspect of this, of course. Um, out of 10, what would you give McKinley Wright's sustainability, um, you know, taking in all, to the, all the factors that we sort of classified sustainability as in yesterday's podcast? Uh, you know, I would, I would tally it as like a four. Um, and you know, some may think that's a little high. Some may think that's a little low. I, I'm sticking with a four just because I think, you know, he does have offensive or he does have 10 and he does have, you know, aspects of his game, uh, that, you know, you can produce on a court and he can have a, a decent role on a team. Uh, and you know, I think that it's not a zero because again, he did fill in a big role and he did excel expectations in that sense. So I think from that perspective, you know, he can probably find himself either on another two-way contract uh, or in the G league next year. And he could definitely get a call up at any point, whether there's injuries or, you know, maybe there's another, uh, I don't think so, but maybe there's another COVID go around uh, and he finds himself on a Mavericks or not a Mavericks roster, but just any roster for, in general. So I think, you know, from that perspective, you know, he's not a sustainable NBA player in the sense that, you know, he's going to get a, a multi-year contract. But I think, you know, he can be on another two-way or he can be in a G League and definitely get a call-up. Um, so I, I think from that perspective, he's sustainable. But as, as again, as I said, I just don't think he has a role uh, on, you know, maybe on like the Rockets or something. Uh, but I don't think he has a role on sort of any playoff roster for that sense. So, like, when you say a role, do you mean – oh, you're talking in regards to, like, being a guy that can can, can contribute in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that's fair. Because, I mean, yeah, in terms of the regular season, um, I mean, there were points that he did have a role for this Mavericks team last year. Um, but, you know, is he going to be relegated to 
you know, that sort of 10 to 15, just kind of reserve range where, you know, he's just assurance basically, or is he going to actually, you know, crack a rotation? That's the, the question going forward. So, I mean, just lastly, uh, if you're, I guess we'll just ask it after each of the two-way guys. Um, we'll just do this question specifically, of course. Uh, what do you expect out of McKinley Wright uh, going forward in terms of his future um, in Dallas? Do, you know, do you think it's going to be dependent on how he plays in the summer league? Uh, will he be back with the Mavericks this summer league? Um, you know, it is his future in the NBA and, and with the Mavericks basically conducive to kind of really how he plays over the next like 12 to 16 months. I think, you know, his offensive progress or his uh, off season progression is going to be really key in, you know, where he's going to be. Uh, I think he'll definitely find himself in a Mavericks uniform, at least in the summer, uh, at least in summer league and probably on an exhibit 10 contract at the very minimum. Um, I, I think, you know, there is a world where he does. No, I don't know if he can get an exhibit 10 contract. Um, is I mean, it, I don't know for sure just because he's already been on a two-way and or, okay all right yeah, yeah I didn't know that that existed I, I don't know the exact ramifications of that but I just wanted to highlight that because I know at least with the Mavericks it, I'm just a little weary of that because they've already signed him of course so yeah all right well I actually didn't know that so I I think that there you know is a world where he can be signed to another contract um but again, I think it all depends on his offseason progression. You know, maybe how he de- depends on how he does in the summer league, because I-, I think he assuming he's going to be in Dallas, he'll probably be a summer league starter. Um, so I think it's all dependent on that. But, you know, I-, I do think that he's proved a lot this year. I think that, you know, if you're another team in the, around the league, like if you're looking for a guy who's going to show heart and who's going to fill in a role or at least like be total 100 percent insurance, like that's a guy you probably want to get. So I think from that perspective, you know, he probably could be on an NBA roster next year. I don't know if it's going to be in Dallas, uh, but I do expect him to be through the off season, at least in a Dallas, you know, uniform for a, a, a little bit, at least probably yeah. until the end of summer. I think the, the main point that we're getting at is that he may have not proved so much this year that he's, you know, ready for a multi-year deal or a guaranteed contract or anything like that. But he definitely proved that, you know, he warrants another opportunity that, you know, he didn't, his time in Dallas was definitely not redundant. You know, he tore it up with the Texas legends and, you know, he, he has earned himself um, another, uh, you know, crack at the shell here, if you will, in terms of his standing in the NBA and uh, his, his attempt to become a rotation player. So we'll see how that unfolds, but next up uh, we'll be getting into AJ Lawson. All right, so getting back into this, you know, we're going to cover A.J. Lawson and his um, his season as a whole. Uh, so, Will, you know, you were tasked with the A.J. Lawson stat. You've been big on him pretty much all season. You've been, like, the one outcrier for him to at least get a little bit of a bigger role. No, I think um, really besides maybe Bibbs on cor- uh, uh, Bibbs Corner on Twitter because he has been coveting A.J. Lawson since his days at South Carolina. Uh, he's a big South Carolina Gamecocks fan, so I had to give my my flowers to him. But I, you know, aside from that, I guess since his time in Dallas, and yeah, maybe I've been the, the spear hitter in the argument. <laughs> no, it's honestly it's kind of funny, but uh, I guess you know we're gonna start out with this. Like, what what do you feel his biggest improvement was at, over the season? Because I mean, he did come into the season as a rookie. Um, you know, what do you feel like his biggest improvement was from the beginning of the season, at least to the end of the season? I mean, even from like, you know, if we're just talking about from his days in college, I think probably 
um, just his size and his strength that he was able to put on. Um, he was able to serve as a little more of a stout defender uh, than he was at North or uh, South Carolina. Um, he also just improved his three-pointer uh, marginally, I think even from like South Carolina days to, you know, when we got to the summer league and he started shooting like lights out versus the Bulls. And I mean, I, I think that that sort of continued upon that upward trajectory. Um, he didn't really get an opportunity at the NBA level to showcase that three-point. Uh, the three-pointer are like a whole lot, you know, only having played 15 games this year. Um, but I, I think just becoming a more reliant, uh, you know, sort of three and D player um, in multiple aspects, you know, from him putting on some strength defensively, being able to bang up against some of these bigger guys, uh, you know, given he's already a, a pretty sort of quick-footed point of attack defender, you know, at that 6'5", 6'6", frame, one of the uh, just sort of knocks on his game is his inability to, uh, you know, just really be able to match guys um, size for size and uh, use his length uh, to deter things and, you know, use his strength. That That's something that he had to improve upon. Uh, he's not totally there yet in both of those aspects as well as his shooting. Um, but I think, you know, a little more size added defensively um, as well as maybe just more consistency shooting the ball because when he does get hot, he can continue to uh, just, you know, throw flames as we saw last summer league. Uh, I think that the, that could, you know, serve as the uh, biggest bridge to um, his improvement next year. But uh, conversely, uh, those were also probably um, what he improved upon the most last year. So just really continuing what he's doing is honestly going to be the best thing for his game, in my opinion, because, you know, he, he's definitely not a guy uh, that projects to be, you know, to operate in a sort of ball handling capacity. Um, he may, you know, be a guy that's serviceable in the future, attacking off closeouts um, and doing some different things there. Because, uh, you know, we've seen with his time in the Texas Legends and some of the, uh, you know, some of the garbage time minutes with the Mavericks that he is not really as one-dimensional as some of the Mavericks' other role players, but, you know, that being said, these these are, you know, in spot-up scenarios uh, where he, you know, there's been an action that's ran and he's received the ball. He's not going to be a guy that's ever facilitating that action or, you know, leading the charge as the point-of-attack ball handler. But, you know, can he be a guy that is able to sort of just uh, operate around the edges and um, not be as one-dimensional as some of the other Mavericks 3 and D-roll players going forward? Uh, I think that, uh, you know, if he continues along his current trajectory, then I would say a definite yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I tend to agree there. Like, I, I think in the beginning of the season, or okay, I'll, I'll go back to summer league. Like, we definitely saw, you know, his versatility on the offensive thing, uh, in the offensive end, because, you know, again, he was such a, a highlight shooter. Um, you know, he could get hot from deep and, you know, pretty much make everything in sight. Uh, that was pretty much summer league as a whole for him. I think at the beginning of the season, he was a little more one-dimensional. Uh, I think he, you know, wanted to fill the NBA in the level, role. I think, definitely caught up to him. To yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I would tend to agree. I, I think he wanted to fill in a role that the Mavericks needed, and it was sort of that 3 and D kind of wing, you know, catch-and-shoot guy. Uh, definitely as the season progressed, I feel like we saw more of his true basketball sense where, you know, he can create off the dribble, um, and he's honestly – a, a really active or active on ball sort of guy. 
Um, you know, whether it's getting rebounds on the glass or, you know, just defensively, I think he's, uh, he, with his length on the, uh, with his wingspan and everything, like he can get um, his hands pretty much anywhere and grab a steal or anything. Like he's a really good defensive minded guy in that sense. And even, you know, on the glass, as I said, uh, his ability to, you know, hawk down balls and get them. And, uh, you know, he had some, honestly, one of the better guys, probably just getting some putback dunks. Uh, on this Mavericks roster, which says a lot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he uses that size and ability to get inside. And honestly, you know, he's very rarely picked up on a box out. So I, I think that surprised me a little bit, and as, especially as the season progressed, just because, you know, again, I think he der- uh, it was a little more one-dimensional uh, at the beginning of the season and then definitely kind of figured out some things as the NBA season progressed along. Um, you know, what, what do you think uh, is the... I guess, biggest improvement that he needs to make next year? Uh, like, do you feel like, or I guess, like, do you think he's, you know, good enough to get on an NBA roster as is? Or, like, what, what kind of progressions, what kind of improvements does he need to make to either be in a Mavericks uniform or, you know, in another team's uniform, at least in the NBA, uh, by next season? I mean, just, yeah, back to what I said regarding, you know, just continually, you know, optimizing his defense, uh, becoming a little more stout on that end to – to guard up a little bit. I mean, yeah, he's probably not going to be a guy that's going to ever, you know, have the the wherewithal to go and guard fours and fives. But if he could guard, you know, one through three fairly consistently and, you know, still use his foot speed uh, to guard smaller guards, then I think that that's going to be a huge drawing point, you know, as well as just consistency uh, from that three-point line, um, you know, continually crashing the glass, um, you know, being able to attack off a closeout and hit a mid-range jump shot. Um, you know, be a guy that can run out and transition. Uh, I, I think if he can just continue to do these things and just improve around the margins within them, uh, that's going to be his best bet in terms of staying um, on the Mavericks or on an NBA roster in general. But, um, you know, I would be remiss to say that I'm, I'm, I don't uh, fancy this guy, quote unquote. Um, yeah. You know, he's definitely uh, a guy that I, I think – has the sort of savviness and the potential to um, fill in around those margins, as I just alluded to. And I, I, there's just, um, I don't know, something about his personality, his drive, his work ethic. Um, it kind of just rubs me the sort of way that he, he's going to be able to be a guy that can do that. But, you know, obviously that's going to be something that we'll have to see. You know, I assume he's, you know, the Mavericks obviously let him uh, sort of fall by the wayside after summer league. Uh, in route to uh, signing Tyler Dorsey. But, you know, after Dorsey Dorsey was waived and A.J. Lawson's, you know, two-way contract with the Timberwolves or whatever, uh, I don't know if he was waived or whatever. I think that was the instance uh, the Mavericks were able to pick him up. And uh, I'd hope that they don't make the same mistake twice and they bring him back at least for the summer league to see how he fares and then, you know, make a decision upon his future accordingly. So I think that's, uh, you know, sort of the progression of events that we'll see uh, kind of play out in the in the coming months, but definitely a guy that um, I, I could covet um, as being, you know, I, I think even more so than McKinley Wright, a guy that we talked about earlier in this podcast, um, definitely has the potential to actually eclipse uh, certain people within this Mavericks rotation and actually uh, be, you know, in those, in, in really the top eight or nine people in a playoff rotation, if everything were to go right. And you know, it's a long shot to say everything will go right. I, I understand that. But, you know, he's a guy that he, he's one of those rare dudes at that two-way spot that 
I, I personally kind of covet and think that if everything were to go right, um, he could honestly be within the Mavericks rotation consistently. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we share the same sentiment there. I think that his intangibles make him a good basketball player. I think, you know, his height, uh, what kind of role he has, and, you know, he's not too one-dimensional uh, in that sense. I think that those, you know, definitely provide good intangibles for him to have a, you know, a fulfilling NBA or a fulfilling NBA career. I do think that, you know, he's probably more of an NBA player than McKinley Wright is. I know that McKinley Wright definitely had more of a role to fill uh, on this Mavericks, uh, or at least throughout this Mavericks season. Um, but I think that A.J. Lawson's more, he's just more of a basketball player. I think in, you know, especially a modern day basketball player, uh, filling in that frame and just sort of what he can bring on the court, I think is, you know, one other than none. I, I think there's only a handful of guys in the league that can really do it at an elite level. Um, and, you know, assuming, as you said, assuming everything goes right and, you know, there's, it's hard to predict, but assuming everything does go right, I think that he can be one of those guys, um, that fills in a nice, you know, bench roll off the bench or, uh, a nice bench roll in a playoff yeah. series. So I would say that we tend to agree with that. Um, uh, you know, real quick, I don't know if you want to get into the sustainability percent or sustainability or the surprising stat, I guess, you know, I guess we'll go with the surprising stat real quick. Uh, what was your biggest surprising stat? Um, so throughout players in the NBA, this is per spe second spectrum on NBA.com, um, that played 10 games or more. Um, that was the sort of litmus test that I used for the qualifier for this um, because I felt like under 10 games was sort of redundant. But a lot of these guys didn't even play like 50-plus games. There's only two guys within this top four that did. Um, so, you know, take that with what you will. Uh, with a sort of grain of salt, but um, every guy in, in, in this top four played 15 games or more at least. Um, and within those, uh, you know, guys that played at least 10 games, like I said, um, their average foot speed on defense um, in terms of, you know, the whole NBA, uh, A.J. Lawson was ranked fourth uh, per spe second spectrum, uh, clocking in at around, I, I don't know if they're me measuring it in miles per hour, so um, don't knock me if this is a fallacy or for whatever reason, but he caught clocked in at 4.3, what I presume is miles per hour. Um, the only people in the NBA that had a higher average foot speed on defense that played at least 10 games or more were John Conchar, fellow Maverick, Josh Green, and Gary Payton, the second. And, you know, if you knew anything about Gary Payton, the second, he's kind of been riddled with injuries all year, but in the 22 games he's played, you know, still probably one of the best point of attack defenders in basketball. Um, and in regards to Josh Green, you know, we, we've always said that, you know, if he can just harness, you know, this isn't a Josh Green player profile, but when we do get to him, we'll talk a lot about him just sort of harnessing, uh, some of that over fouling and that, um, just sort of, you know, controlling a little bit of the, um, exuberance that he sort of exerts on defense, you know, if he can just do that a little bit better and not maybe go through, you know, sort of steal hunt or block hunt a little bit more and just stay in front of his man a little bit better. He'll be um, insanely good. And, and for two Mavericks to be in the top five, um, it, it is pretty impressive from that perspective, even though it is kind of a one-off sort of stat and it's definitely not a tell all by any means. Um, but I did think, find that fairly interesting given that, you know, these are more point of attack style defenders um, versus, you know, just like strict three and D wings that, you know, you kind of would go, you know, stick on you know maybe um 
a guy sort of operating from the wing, like a KD or something like that. Like these are going to be guys uh, trying to guard the opposing team's, you know, usual best point guard. Uh, so from that perspective, for Mavericks fans that did not get to see too much of AJ Lawson this year, that thought he was sort of, a, you know, this listening to this podcast and, you know, think he's kind of unfamiliar, uh, didn't really watch the garbage time minutes. I, I would definitely say he's comparable to Josh Green um, in, in a lot of different aspects of their game, uh, maybe except, you know, on offense. I would say A.J. Lawson's probably going to be a little bit more poised of a shooter potentially going forward. Um, and, you know, conversely, Josh Green's probably going to be a little bit more poised in terms of his dribble drive game, um, his ability to, you know, play make um, after, you know, attacking off a closeout, um, just do some other different, uh, you know, sort of dynamic things with the ball and offense. But A.J. Lawson's going to be uh, probably – some very similar rendition of Josh Green as a player defensively and then offensively, uh, just, you know, a little less of that offensive pop, but probably a little bit more shooting. So for those of you guys that are unfamiliar, but that, that was my surprising stat. Yeah. I, you know, again, you definitely had a better surprising stat than me, but you know <laughs> <laughs> we're going yeah. forward now. So yeah. uh, I guess, what are you most looking forward to this guy? I, I think I would confidently say I expect him to be uh, in the Mavericks summer league uniform. So I guess, you know, what are you most looking forward to him and his time, you know, in Vegas? Um, and I mean, do you, do you expect him to be in a Mavericks uniform next year? If I had to guess, I would say yes. Um, but that's the optimistic side of me and, you know, the Mavericks tend to, you know, <laughs> um, just shine quite a dim light at the optimistic side of me uh, time after time, every free agency period. So uh, I think we'll just have to see from that perspective. Uh, but I would, I definitely think if I had to guess that he, he would be in a Mavericks uniform. And I, I do expect a, you know, fairly strong summer league from him. Uh, you know, uh, anytime that, you know, I know the Mavericks had a just absolutely heinous summer league last year, but you know, they, I think they'll probably have three returners this year. And yeah. anytime you, you build a little bit of continuity, you know, having those guys play in the G league and especially a guy in Jaden Hardy, who's progressed so much from last year to this year. Uh, if you want to listen to that uh, season review podcast, and go listen to our previous podcast that's up right for this. Um, but anyways, um, you know, given that there'll probably be three returners, McKinley Wright, AJ Lawson, um, as well as Jaden Hardy, they all seem pretty cool with each other. Um, if you've ever looked at their Instagram or anything like that, um, they play together on the G League. They're, you know, all younger guys, um, pretty tight-knit. I do expect the Mavericks to have just a strong showing summer league overall um, if, if all three of those guys are back. But we'll just have to see how that plays out. Um, like I said, that's the optimistic side of me. And it always does not, that doesn't always pan out uh, with Mr. Mark Cuban at the helm. So, so <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. So I, I would, yeah, I, I think we're, you know, pretty much just looking forward to You want me to answer the sustainability question out of 10? Yeah, yeah, real quick. We're getting the sustainability out of 10. You know, how sustainable do you think he is? And, you know, can he, I guess you already answered that, but how yeah. sustainable? I mean, as optimistic as I am, you know, I do have to sort of, Hold back some of my overexcitedness oh, because okay. this is this is a two it's a two way guy at the end of the day like yeah you know I can be as optimistic as I want to be um, from that perspective but you know I do have to sort of uh, place um, a governor on my expectations uh, <laughs> uh, that's a throwback to Coyote Ridge Golf Course right there <laughs> uh, for those of you guys that don't know but anyways um, basically I would probably say that A.J. Lawson um, is maybe a five or a six out of 10 in terms of his sustainability with the Mavericks. Cause like I said, I do think he has a more um, 
NBA applicable skill set than McKinley Wright. So it's going to be a little bit easier for him to, uh, you know, sort of seep through the cracks and earn that contract uh, with the Mavericks. But, you know, conversely, these guys, you know, in that two-way area can easily be, you know, just cast aside and, you know, opted for another guy. Uh, we've seen it last year with Tyler Dorsey, you know, if AJ Lawson even has a little bit of a dry spell or, you know, just a couple weeks span where, you know, he just didn't look good at summer league. Uh, there's definitely a, a opportunity awaiting from another guy uh, from another team that performed well at summer league that the Mavericks could take a chance at and invite into training camp. And AJ Lawson, you know, is either, you know, playing with another NBA team or overseas, but I'm pretty optimistic about this guy, but, you know, there, there's a lot of volatility when we're talking about two-way guys, so you can never be too sure. Yeah, I mean, you, at the end of the day, he is a two-way guy, so he never really can be. Um, we'll go with a nice five and a half, 5.5. Okay, yeah, uh, 5.5. Yeah, well, I think that's a good uh, halfway marker. <laughs> yeah, uh, which, you know, I feel like for a two-way guy um, and a sample size of only 15 games, I think that's honestly pretty high, uh, but like any good way high. Uh, because, again, I think he does have – good intangibles uh, that could, you know, progress him and his NBA career to be a little longer than just a year. Um, and I think that alone probably gets him a, another contract somewhere, assuming he has a good off season. So, uh, or hopefully in Dallas. Um, but yeah, I think uh, probably a 5.5 honestly sounds pretty good to me. So I, I would agree. Yeah. I think that sort of wraps it up for the two way guys, uh, you know, a bit of a more short, sweet, sweet and concise podcast, but um, I didn't want to, you know, beat a dead horse too much on them because a lot of it's just going to be left up to how they fare this summer. And yeah. um, I was going to say chance, but, you know, it's obviously conducive to how they play. So maybe from <laughs> us just watching, it's just left up to chance, but not for them and not for them in their personal lives where, you know, this is uh, basically make or break for their NBA careers. So uh, we will be locked in this summer. Uh, me and Jaron have interests of covering the summer league, but we'll see if those come into fruition or not. Um, but you know, you could be here in three, two or three months or so uh, with AJ Lawson and McKinley Wright the fourth. Uh, giving interviews. Yes, well, doing doing the new intro to this pod. <laughs> yeah, this is McKinley Wright the fourth, and you're listening to the Mainstream Maps podcast. So, oh, that's the uh, hopefully that comes into fruition. But otherwise, um, we will be back later tonight uh, doing more player profiles. Kind of unsure who we're gonna do. We might just do, might throw all the uh, the washed veterans into the into the laundry mat on this one. We might go. Uh, Davis Bertans, Dwight Powell, the Markeith Morris trifecta, but we're, we're still debating that. That would be uh, quite the time. So we're, we're uh, getting through the back half of the roster at the moment, so bear with us. But we wanted to start out with a bang with Jaden Hardy, and then we'll get more you know, towards the front half of the roster. So uh, these will ramp up in terms of their excitedness. Uh, that's kind of how we want to do this. Uh, so, you know, you guys, for, for the few of you guys that do listen to the really bad ones, you'll, you'll be captivated by the time we get to the end. <laughs> so uh, barring that, you guys can fo follow us on all our socials at, on Twitter at Mainstream underscore Mavs. Uh, if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other podcast platform, make sure to um, subscribe or follow us and give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, whatever floats your boat in terms of those reviews that you like about our show is by all means applicable. We are open to constructive criticism. Um, other than that, if you're listening on YouTube, uh, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe, and comment down below. Um, let's see, who is a better defensive player between AJ Lawson and McKinley Wright? <laughs> you know, sometimes I try to make these more lighthearted, but I don't know. Today I was feeling serious. So, um, besides that, 
we will catch you guys in the next one. Uh, follow us on Twitter and all the socials. Like I said, uh, Mainstream Mavs signing out. Bye-bye.